Well, good morning, everyone. Um, it's always nice to, to come at the front and see everyone's faces at once, but it's extra special to see the Hunt Taylors back this morning. Before we, I preach another book, because we go through another book together after finishing James, I thought this morning we would spend some time in a psalm. Um, so please turn all the way to the final psalm in the book, Psalm 150. Psalm 150. Before we begin, let's just have a moment of prayer. Lord, we come to you this morning, um, and we are so thankful that we have this time and this space and this freedom to gather before you and to hear you speak to us. We pray this morning that you would help us to receive your message and that you would lead us to a point of praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, there's absolutely no doubt that we are called to praise the Lord. But I think over a, a course of a lifetime of praise, we all need a little bit of encouragement. Some will need encouragement to persevere in praising the Lord, to keep the flame of that passion, that burning, strong feeling of love, that first love, not just mumble our way through a few tunes once a week. Some will need at times to think much bigger and bolder about praise, to start thinking more, more deeply about why we praise God, what it means, and how, even though that we're all born in sin, we could ever find a posture of praise. Some will need an invitation to praise, perhaps the first time to ever submit to God as king and praise him. And for others, it will be a case of returning to praise after a long time of silence. As we reflect on praise this morning, the first thing I want to do is talk about the two-dimensional aspect of praise, the vertical and horizontal a cross-shaped praise, meaning praising the Lord is something we do upwards to God as well as something we do outwards to other people. We praise the Lord upwards to him and we praise him to other people. And then we'll think about how this two-dimensional praise works inside the community of the church and then outside the community of the church. So point one then, on the back of the, the order of service, we praise the Lord in a two-dimensional way. 
Now, if you look down to the final verse of our psalm, verse 6, what kind of picture do you get in your mind? Let everything, everything that has breath, praise the Lord. If everything that has breath is praising the Lord, then we have the most amazing, exciting, and wonderful praise party. I wonder if you recall the, uh, the call to worship this morning on the order of service. The marriage supper of the Lamb, a beautiful celebration and feast full of praise. This is surely the picture that's in view ahead from verse 6. But I want to, to ask you this morning, is this kind of amazing praise party the most accurate way of describing the everyday experience of being one of God's people. Sometimes we get a sense of it. Sometimes we are moved to intense and deep praise. Uh, I was recently told about this quote from uh, a pastor called Daniel Steele. Uh, I'm only going to read out a, a bit, bit of it, but it's worth Googling in full later on. He says... In my previous Christian experience of 28 years, there always seemed to be a vacancy unfulfilled, a spot which the plowshare of the gospel had not touched. But now he says that God has unlocked every apartment of my being and filled and flooded them all with the light of his radiant presence. The spot before untouched, has been reached, and all its flintiness has melted in the presence of that universal solvent, love divine or love's excelling. This guy, at this moment in time, was feeling it. He had great praise vibes. But it's not such a common everyday experience, do we wouldn't have written it down. For most of us, the daily experience is not of a, a praise party. In fact, a lot of people feel being one of God's people is like being left out of the party. It's like being on the outside, someone who didn't get an invite, left out in the cold, looking in the window at the party. I don't know if you've ever experienced not being invited to a party you really wanted to attend, but you can at least imagine it's not nice. I'm the kind of guy who would moan about not wanting to attend a party, uh, but then moan even more when I don't get invited. And I think that's because none of us ever want to be on the outside, right? No one really wants to be on the outside looking in. No one wants to be the forced out, the forgotten or forsaken. But the thing is, none of us who are God's people who are in Christ, are ever the outsiders. It, it feels that way a lot of the time, and I'm, I'm sure that the devil wants us to feel that way, but it's, it's not true. Because we live in a time where praise doesn't taste as sweet as it will one day. We must take these times to be encouraged, to think deeply, to always be moving to a rich life of praise. And I think thinking about it in a, a two-dimensional way this morning is helpful because when our praise is feeling flat or a bit discouraged, it helps us to think bigger, 
to think deeper and reignite our passion for praising the Lord. From a, a vertical point of view then, when we praise upwards to God, we, re- we must remember he sits as king above all people all the time. Not just a few people in a community center. When we look up to praise the Lord, it's because he is, as verse 1 says, in his mighty heavens. And regardless of who reject the invitation to praise God, he still sits above them all. God still deserves praise from them. In verse 2, the psalmist calls us to praise the Lord for his mighty deeds, according to his excellent greatness. If people around us refuse to embrace or acknowledge who God is and, and what he's done, it shouldn't dampen our direct praise upwards to our God. But praising the Lord around other people, it does have an effect. And that's why we can think about it from a horizontal point of view as well. When we praise the Lord, it's something we do to God's people who embrace him, as well as God's enemies who reject him. Our vertical praise should always be unchanging. It's our our aim for it to be unchanging. But as we look out at people around us, there's so many different emotions and thoughts going on. We praise God to other believers in gratitude for them. We give thanks. We praise God to others to fortify their faith, to strengthen and encourage them. And we praise God to non-believers because we want to invite them to the celebration, to the praise party. But we'll, we'll get to that uh, in a moment. For now, I just want to get clear on this two-dimensional praise thing. Praise upwards to God should never change because he never changes. God is king over all people all the time. And our constant challenge is to keep returning to and growing in this vertical praise. Praising God to others around us can be a varied experience but it's always a brilliant way, a brilliant gift for fortifying the faith of those who have it and reaching those who don't. And I think whatever season of praise we're in this morning, this way of thinking about it will will hopefully, I pray anyway, lead to a deeper and richer experience of praise. It's hard to to hold in view this this perfect picture of a, a praise party a celebration, a great feast in the times that we live in today. It's something that we should strive for, but like I said, it it can often feel like we're the the outsider. And I think if that's you today, then then hopefully our our second point uh, will speak into that. We praise the Lord inside the community of the church. If we ever feel like outsiders in the Christian life, if we feel like the praise party is is not a party at all, not one to be at, if we ever feel embarrassed to praise the Lord, we must come back to a place of remembering who God is and what God has done. From a vertical point of view, praise, we praise the God who created all things, who entered into a relationship with the creatures he made, 
only for them to reject him. And yet still, in his excellent greatness of love, he sent the Son to save us from the slavery of sin and reconcile us to him through Jesus Christ. And of course, from a horizontal point of view, we praise God for that freedom from slavery of sin. We praise him for how it works out in our daily experience. And we remind each other of this glorious liberation we've received through Christ. And I think this morning it's pushing at the horizontal praising of the Lord I think I want to spend most time in. Because the Psalms can easily be seen as something for the individual's relationship with God, completely vertical. But the Psalms are also for the church community as a whole to grow deeper together in our praise for the Lord. Last week, Pete mentioned uh, maturity as a Christian. And throughout the week, that kind of stayed with me, meditating on what it means to be mature. And the big thing that came to my mind was, was moving from a fragile mode of being with God to one that gets more and more solid and steadfast and unshakable over time. A really strong mode of being with God. And as we praise God with the Psalms, we together are sharing in that experience of God. Having God's word shape us, form us, strengthen us, maybe even correct us as a church family. The more we understand who God is and what God has done, the more depth there is to verse 1 and 2. And through praise, it's something we do together. And together, we grow mature. We praise God together, yes, because he deserves it, but also because amongst us, we'll all be at different stages or, or seasons in our praise. But at all times, we need to remind each other of who God is and what God has done. There will be times when being on the inside community of the church can leave people feeling like the outsider because perhaps being a Christian at times can feel very lonely. What if you're the only Christian in your year at school? What if you're the only Christian in your workplace? Do you feel full of praise when you're at church thinking, well, this is the very reason I feel lonely? What about ministry? Ministry can be a very lonely place. Think of all the ministers battling the, not just the governments in some places, but their own congregations. How difficult it can be in those moments to loosen the tongue, to soften the heart, to praise the Lord, when verse 6 seems just an impossible fantasy. And that's why we don't only praise God alone. When one of us walks into church unable to utter a sound, paralyzed by the hardship of something like loneliness. We, we sing of the Lord to them. We sing of the Lord for them. We encourage them. We lift them up in our praise. We remind them of who God is and what God has done. We remind them of who God is in the person of Jesus Christ. Because no matter how separated one of us feels, or, or however much of an outsider we feel, lonely or, or secluded, Jesus knows 
how that feels. He knows how it feels to be forsaken. And just using that word, forsaken, we're transported to a very specific moment in Jesus' life, just before his death, when he cried out those words of Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that moment of being offered into the hands of death, Jesus felt the ultimate pain of being forsaken, forsaken by God. And why? So that we wouldn't have to. Jesus was forsaken, handed over to death, so that when we put our faith in him, we can always move to a point of praise. Because in him we have hope beyond hardship. We have light beyond darkness. We have life beyond death. In him we can always find this posture of praise. Because no matter how much we might at times feel like the outsider, we are in him inside the church. The church is where the praise party will move from this weak-looking, tatty old building with imperfect praise to eventually shining in the glorious, beautiful, loud-sounding, perfect praise of this psalm. So finally then, point three, we praise the Lord outside the community of the church. Even though as a church we can encourage each other to keep finding a posture of praise to our God, we still need to deal with the fact that we live in a time when we are the minority in our communities outside of church. The majority of people do not praise the Lord. But what I'm saying today is that through praise, we can reach out to these people. It's hard to uh, imagine a time where verse 6 is fully fulfilled, where every breath praises the Lord. Imagine you turn on the, the television, praising the Lord. You turn on the radio, praising the Lord. Every newspaper, every app, every social media page, every neighbor, every person in the street was all praising the Lord. One day this will be true. But what we live and experience today is a world where God is king over all people all the time. But a lot of people refuse to call God their king. But this, this tension that we live in today is not exactly the same tension that Israel lived in when this psalm was first written or, or when it was first sung. There was a tension before Jesus was born that is different to the tension afterwards. Take Mary, the mother of Jesus. She, before Jesus was born, she'd have sung this psalm in praise, but almost in an anxious hope that one day one king would come and be like the king of, of these psalms. She would have this anxious hope with a level of uncertainty and desperation, desiring that a king would arrive who could lead all the people to this kind of praise. But then, after Mary gave birth to her son, when she saw him as the Son of God, her experience of praise with Psalm 150 would have changed. She would have sung 150 with a confident and certain hope, 
knowing that Jesus would in fact lead to a time with the fullness of praise in verse 6. So today, yes, we, we feel and we deal with this tension of living in a world where, where God's people praise as well as those who, who reject God do not. But we praise with a confident, certain hope. And that's why we praise the Lord to people outside of the community of the church with confidence, with joy, as we invite them to draw near to God with the good news of the gospel. The Psalms as a whole talks about God's enemies and how they will praise him, how some will be engrafted into Israel. And I imagine that would have seemed completely impossible. And maybe it seems impossible that a little bit of praise today would speak to those who have no faith and, and work to bring them into this praise party. But we've seen it happen. We, we saw it happen back in the, in the Old Testament. Take the book of Daniel, for instance. The, the very king who destroys Jerusalem and takes them out to, to exile ends up praising God. Amazing. And it happens today. It happened, it happened to all of us. When we were enemies of the almighty God, the king over all people and all earth, when we deserved absolutely nothing but destruction, God in his infinite mercy, by his profound grace, gave us an invitation for reconciliation. An invitation of grace that we call today Jesus Christ, Jesus the King. We're not the outsiders forced out, forgotten or forsaken, missing out on the party of praise. We need to remember we're the ones who are inviting people to join in the ultimate party, the praise party of Psalm 150. Those outside of Christ are the outsiders in the sense that they refuse to see that God is king above them as well. What they are outside of is a relationship with God. But God sends out an invitation. I read someone describing praise as our goal and instrument in working to send out these invitations. Praise is our goal because it's where we want people to end up. Praise is the instrument we use because it's such a great way of telling people about God. Praise is the instrument we have in turning around the lives of people in our communities outside the church. Because praising God is, is noticeable. It's informative. We might not take five minutes each morning to shake a tambourine and, and sing psalms to invite people to church. But we can be creative with this book of creativity to communicate through poetry and music the deepest truths of who God is and what he has done. And there is something wonderful about how creativity, poetry, music connects to the human condition. In the two dimensions of praise... The vertical is praise that goes up to God. Yes, because he deserves it. Yes, because we are in awe of him. Because we love him. 
because we are thankful for his mighty works, because Jesus is king over all people all the time, and we are in a relationship with him. The horizontal praise goes out in fellowship to brothers and sisters, fortifying each other in faith, helping us, each of us, to always find a posture of praise before our God. But this horizontal praise also goes out to those who are yet to accept an invitation to praise God. At the center of this two-dimensional praise is Christ. Jesus is where praise meets reality. Jesus is where these psalms meet fulfillment. Jesus is where God meets humanity. Jesus is where our praise is centered, because in Jesus we praise God for who he is and what he has done. Praise from every angle you look at it, the more you think about it, the deeper you feel it, always leads to God as king, to Jesus Christ, the invitation of grace himself. And as we gather as a church to praise him, we get a taste of that great feast. We get a sense of that great sound of instruments. We get a glimpse of the glorious party of praise that will be the full realization of Psalm 150. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your mighty works. We thank you for your salvation. We thank you for your spirit who dwells in us. As we now come together to praise you this morning, we lift our voices to you. We lift our hearts to you. We love you, Father, and we thank you for all that you have done, for who you are. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.